If you're anything like me, you spent your childhood assuming that one day you'd meet your Prince Charming. You'd get married, you'd have a nice house in the suburbs, a dog, a career, and a couple of kids. It never crossed your mind that Prince Charming wouldn't come along, or that tragically you'd lose him before his time, or that your marriage wouldn't work out, or even that your biological clock would have other ideas. Or maybe you never really wanted that sort of happily ever after. Maybe you never wanted a man, but you did know you always wanted children. We're living in an age where for the first time, women can embrace motherhood on their own terms. They no longer have to put their lives on hold waiting for the right man, or settling for someone who they know isn't right for them, just so they can become a mother. More women than ever before are embarking on the journey to become what's known as a solo mother by choice. And while for a lot of us it doesn't feel like a choice, but more a necessity, the bottom line is there are now options for you to be able to fulfill your dreams of motherhood if the traditional route isn't playing out as expected. The No Need for Prince Charming podcast will share stories of Australian women who have successfully become solo mothers by choice. They each have a unique story as to why they decided to pursue motherhood in this way and the journey they had to go through to make this dream a reality. The hope is that by sharing these stories, you'll have the knowledge and the confidence to embark on this amazing journey yourself if you determine it's the right one for you. In the words of Walt Disney, all of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. All you need is faith, trust, and a little bit of pixie dust. Today on the podcast, I'm speaking with Georgia. Georgia lives in Ballarat with her gorgeous four-year-old daughter, Violet. Welcome to the podcast tonight, Georgia. I'd love to start by understanding what you went through to make the decision to become a solo mum by choice. Yes. Well, I um, hadn't really thought about it that much, to be honest. And I was 38. Um, I was having a lot of issues with um, my periods. And so I went and saw a gynecologist. Um, went and saw my GP and then I got a referral to a gynecologist um, and they found out that I had fibroids Mm -hmm. which would have caused me infertility if I had tried to have babies naturally Um, and so a week later we did a keyhole surgery um, and I just said to them let's just make sure that everything's working fine when I do want to have children and so we did that and everything was fine um and then I had a bit of pain after post-surgery in in my my belly button where they went through and um the doctor said at the time if you have you thought about having children on your own because if you wait much longer um it may not happen for you so I was 38 at the time and they said if you wait till after 40 it may not happen so I quickly I thought about it for about a month um had you realized there was such a time limit on it before that conversation no no it hadn't really crossed my mind I had probably thought about it off and on but nothing serious to even go and see someone about it um and then I thought about it for a month and decided that I need to give it a crack um, and went and saw a fertility specialist after that. Wow, that's a, that's a pretty big leap from not it all to, okay, a month later I'm going to see a fertility yeah, specialist. Yeah, so um, I thought about it really hard for the month. Um, I was quite emotional over it too, thinking, oh, my God, there's a deadline. Yeah. Um, and 
then decided that I need to give them red hot cracks. So I had some savings and so I decided to give it a go. Um, and we had to do some ways to uh, either shrink the fibroids beforehand or do surgery to get rid of them. So um, there was a bit of a process before I could actually do a transfer. So the keyhole surgery that you had prior to that didn't remove them? That was just more? No, it was just to make sure that uh, what was happening, Mm -hmm. um, they did a clean out and put a marina in. (laughs) So I wasn't even thinking about children at that point. Um, and you and removed then, that, what, a month later? <laughs> yeah, a month later. So I paid all that money to get a marina put in and then I removed it a month later. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, that was, I guess that option was there to help with my terrible periods that I was having. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, we decided to take it out pretty much straight away, <laughs> straight away, so... Yeah, it was a, a bit of a roller coaster. So you went into the fertility specialist, and what was the process they had to go through with the fibroids in to remove them before treatment? He's, I went and saw the head of Ballard IVF, mm-hmm. who my gynecologist worked out of their offices, um, and he suggested that we get some embryos frozen first. Yep. Um, and then once that is done, then we can do two options, have surgery to get them removed or a less invasive was to go on a brand-new medication that he had done a lot of research on out of America. Mm-hmm. I was a bit of a guinea pig um, and shrink them. So it was, yeah. So, so go through IVF and do the egg collection and get the embryos first so you've got that, that backup plan and then deal with the other part. Yeah, yeah. So we did that. Um, I did two cycles back-to-back yeah. to get embryos. Um, my HM wasn't very – it was a low but it, for my age, but it wasn't terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately I only got three eggs the first round um and one survived to fertilization and five day blastocyst freeze yeah i froze it um and then the second round which was back to back to my first i only got one egg and that one survived to five day freeze embryo as well wow so you don't get many but good little yeah, two little embryos in the freezer. Um, and I decided at that point, because my funds were getting low by then, um, that they were my two chances. Otherwise, I just not meant to be. Yeah. It must have been hard mentally because you didn't know that much about it going into it to only have two. How did you kind of navigate that? It was really good specialist. Look, he was lovely and we had a real connection. Um, He was the head of the IVF clinic in Ballarat um, and he talked to me about what could possibly be, but he he was big about getting them in the freezer. Um, Mm -hmm. 
and getting as many as possible. And unfortunately, it just wasn't meant to be. Yeah, yeah we got two, luckily. Yeah. Well, we know that something worked out, otherwise you wouldn't be on the podcast. So That's right. <laughs> so the so next then, thing was to go on the medication, was it? Go on the medication. So I went on that for, it was three months. Mm. Um, and it was quite an expensive medication to be on. So it was around the $500 mark for 28 tablets. So for wow. three months it was over $1,000. It was $1,500. Yeah. Um, so that was quite an expensive little medication to be on, but thankfully it worked. He was, um, so I went in after the three months and did an ultrasound and they were gone. Oh, wow. They were absolutely gone. So he was ecstatic and so excited because um, it had actually worked and I was the first one in the clinic to be put on that drug. Yeah. Um, so he was over the moon. So that was a really good um, sign um, for us to proceed. So if you hadn't got them removed, did they say that it, this, the embryo wouldn't implant or would it affect your pregnancy yeah, or what was the complication? Possibly, it, it would, yeah, it would possibly affect the implant. Right. Yeah. Yeah, which he said would highly um possibly infect it yeah so um I just thought that I needed to give it um the best opportunity to mm-hmm. speak um and that was his recommendation so I trusted him um and yeah went with what he said to do so that was really good and so after the three months all clear did you go straight into a frozen transfer no, then? No, so I had a few months off just to let my body recuperate um, and just let the drug come out naturally. Um, and then in the December, early December, we did my first transfer yep. and had the two-week wait. Um, and luckily at that one stuck. So that was really good. Yeah. I was very lucky, very, very lucky. And so how old were you by this point? I was still 38. Oh, you were all done in that time. Yeah, so it was the 38, the same year. There's the surgery and the the fibroid shrinking and all of that. So luckily I was still 38 at the time of implant. No messing around, was it? (laughs) No messing around, (laughs) no. And so how did you find pregnancy? Uh, the first sort of 20 weeks were just what I took as normal. I was sick every day, um, <laughs> vomited every day for sort of 20 weeks, but I dealt with it. It was just sick first thing in the morning and then I was sort of sort of feeling not too crash hot till about 11 o'clock. And then yeah. I was fine for the rest of the day. So um, that was fine. That part was really good um, as far as throwing up every day can be. <laughs> um, and then at 22 weeks, I was on my way to Melbourne with my mum and we're going baby shopping. And I had a bit of a cramp, nothing serious. Um, so I pulled over 
at the service station at Rockbank there. I'm from Ballarat, so it was just down the freeway. And by the time I walked into the bathroom, I was bleeding. Um, so I had a massive bleed. Um, and a clean <laughs> I I dealt with it. I went, I was emotional as because I thought, oh my God, this is the baby gone. Yeah. Um, and walked back out, cleaned myself up, walked back out to the car and mum rushed me to the Bacchus Marsh Hospital because she knew where it was. Yeah. Um, in hindsight, we should have rung an ambulance, but <laughs> I got my mum to drive me um, where they treated me there and everything was fine with baby, um, thank God, because um, I thought, just lost it there yeah. um and I was transferred back to Ballarat um because I didn't want to stay in back Marsh um so I was transferred back to Ballarat via ambulance and I spent a couple of days in the hospital at Ballarat um but everything was fine um and then two weeks later it happened again at work um, and so I was rushed to the Ballarat Hospital from work and um, they treated me there and then um, they thought I was in preterm labour uh, so I was at 24 weeks yeah. um, and they sent me straight to the Mercy Hospital in Melbourne where I stayed for five weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So pregnancy for me wasn't great. No. Um, and then so I came home at 30 weeks. Um, I'd been stable for those whole five weeks. Um, for the first week, probably in the Mercy, I was on bed rest and then I was allowed to walk around the ward for a few weeks and then... I was allowed down into the Mercy cafeteria. Um, oh, exciting day trip. <laughs> go for a little walk and things like that. So I was um, I was very stable in the hospital, which was really good. Um, came home at 30 weeks, um, set up the baby room because I hadn't done anything. Um, and so I had two weeks off, another two weeks off work and just um relaxed and finished the baby room so in case something else happened I was all set and ready to go um and then I went back to work part-time for um I was planning to work for another month um and five days later so five work days five um so about a week later um, my waters broke at 33 weeks. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so back in hospital, luckily Ballarat would take me because I was um, 33 weeks. Ballarat can't take premies under 32 weeks. So you just I made the cutoff. I just made the cutoff, so I was really happy about that. Um So another week in hospital and then at my 34-week scan. So I'd had it booked for months and months and months and 
when you're at the hospital, they just come and get you at any time and they've got an opening. So they came and got me a bit earlier than what my appointment was scheduled and um, went down. They wheeled me down in a wheelchair and I stood up in the ultrasound room and I had another massive bleed. So they quickly did the super quick ultrasound and then put me on a bed and wheeled me back up to then prep me for a emergency cesarean. So they um, were very quick to deal with it then. Mm. Wow. Very yeah. scary. Did they know what was causing the bleeds and all the rest um, of it? Like was it the baby or more the placenta? No, it was more the placenta. So Ballarat just assumed that it was preterm labour. They, they're not really um, up with, you know, as, they don't have the education, I guess, as much as the tertiary hospital in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, so the Mercy said it was the clot sitting behind my placenta right. that was causing the issues. So um, it hadn't gone in those five weeks, but because I was stable, they just assumed that it would be okay um, and were happy for me to go. But, um, and I was, I knew that, Ballarat could take me from 32 weeks um so I was just hoping and praying that I could last to at least 32 weeks where I could stay in my own town yeah yeah which luckily I did yeah so then at 34 weeks Violet was born by emergency cesarean mm. um so she was six weeks prem um really good weight 2.6 kilos mm-hmm. um which is pretty good for a six-week premie um where she stayed she stayed in special care for three weeks um and I got to go home a few days later so it was back to the hospital every day you couldn't stay in with her you had to go home was no no they didn't have the room mm-hmm. um because there were people from out of town as it was um they have a couple of units in the hospital um where out of towners can stay I did manage to get a room a couple of nights but um I had to come in and go home again so she was a good weight did you have any health conditions at that or just you just have to stay here till you're you're old enough she just needed a feeding tube for a couple of weeks um just to help with with her suckling and her feeding um but apart from that she was breathing on her own um she did have a bit of jaundice the next day after being born and so she was under lights for a day but apart from that she was a really good um and healthy little baby Mm. I'm sure that made it a lot easier for you to go home each night without her it did, yeah. It was really hard to go home, though. Um, you just want them with you all the time. Um, but, yeah, no, it did make it a lot um, easier knowing that she was she was well. So all a bit scary ending up in emergency season. Did you have anyone with you through all of that? I had my mum. Oh. Yeah, so I had my mum with me uh, for delivery, which was really nice. Um, and being in my hometown, she was able to come every day. Yeah. Um, 
Whereas at the Mercy, it wasn't that easy for mum to come each day. So she would come for a couple of days and visit and then she'd go home again. So lucky you got to 32 weeks in it. Yeah, 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 it worked out really well. And so then you got to go take home, Violet, what, about 38 weeks in? Yes, yeah. Yeah. And how was that when you when you had her at home at the beginning, just the two of you? Yeah, look good. Mum stayed uh, a couple of nights, um, but I did the days on my own initially um, just to get used to each other. Yeah. Um, no, it was great. It was really, um, really lovely. She was a good sleeper, and uh, which made it a lot easier. And, yeah, she was great. It was just really special. So apart from being a bit early, there was no other issues or anything you had to deal with with her? No, not initially. Um, once she had her, I think, six-week check, um, they found that she had hip dysplasia in her right hip. Um, yeah. So she had to have a little hip brace for six months or so. Um, but apart from that, um, and she was really well. Everything else went really, really well. For anyone listening, it's about one in four girls end up with hip dysplasia. We had a big hip dysplasia journey ourselves, the end of the spiky yeah. cast, and you just do not realise how common it is until it happens to you. No, so, no. Yeah, six months in a brace is pretty good innings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it wasn't too bad. It wasn't clicky hip or anything like that, as they explained there. It was just her cup wasn't formed Um deep enough um so she just needed that assistance to to make it form better so one thing we didn't talk about was how you went about choosing your donor oh yes so that was quite easy so Ballarat being quite small there's um you get a list of three um donors only three Um, yeah only three yeah three so um, if you don't like the first three that you're um, that you're allocated, then I think you can get another three. Okay. But um, I I looked at it as if um, so one of the donors had a heart condition in his family, mm-hmm. wasn't he? But within his family, and my on my father's side is heart. Um, conditions so I knew that I didn't want it on both sides so he was easy to eliminate Um, the second one I didn't just I just didn't like the sound of him I don't know I don't know (laughs) why Um, I just found that I just didn't like the sound of him nothing in particular jumped out I just didn't like it so I eliminated him um, and the third one had blue eyes, blonde hair and was only allergic to peaches. So um, That's a random thing to be allergic to, isn't it? Yeah, I know, and I'm not allergic to fruit. So I figured um, he would be the one and Violet couldn't come out looking any more like me if she tried. Yeah. So um, I picked a good one there, I think. <laughs> yeah. And how old is Violet now? 
And she's four. She's four and a bit, yeah. And has it been what you thought it would be? Given you thought about um, it for a month? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, probably I really struggled at the beginning with my independence okay. um, and not being able to just do things whenever I wanted to do them. I'm a very independent person mm-hmm. um, and I was used to, you know, dropping everything and going out for dinner or um, going down to see a friend at Melton and having dinner with her at the drop of a hat. And I just struggled with um, not being able to do things like that mm-hmm. anymore. Um, but I got over it and, yeah, I couldn't be happier than than what I did because she's just amazing. She's so funny. Yeah. And do you think that there's intentions to use your other embryo or? No. So I um, did seek um, guidance into if I did want to use that embryo as to whether my pregnancy would be the same Mm -hmm. um, second time around. And they were quite clear that having one pregnancy like that is pretty high guarantee that I would have a second one like that. Oh, wow. Um, so I was a bit um, cautious, I guess, um, and decided that I wasn't going to use it. Um, only reason being is that I didn't, I didn't want Violet to be affected by it. Um, if I had to spend another five weeks or more in hospital, um, that would really affect her and me um, and my mum. Like she was stressed enough with just me in hospital, let alone me in hospital and her looking after a toddler. So I didn't just, I didn't want to take that risk. Um, And... Who's to say that my second pregnancy wouldn't have been worse? Like it could have been worse and really affected my health. So I didn't want to run that risk. So during COVID, I made the decision to uh, dispose of my second embryo. Such a horrible word, isn't it? (laughs) That's a terrible word. And I I wasn't happy with any of the options. But I decided that that was the way that I wanted it to go because I wasn't happy with any of the options. But that one seemed the right one for me at the time. So given Violet's over four, have you started having conversations about the fact that she is donor conceived? Yeah, absolutely. Um, How's that going? Yeah, really good. She she gets that it's just her and me um, and that the donor wanted to help a family have, yeah. have a baby um, and that family is her and I um, and she, she, she seems to understand that um, and she also includes my mum in our family, obviously, my mum and my dad yeah. um, and all my family members she includes in our our family um and I think that's really special have you done anything to reach out to donor siblings or the donor not at this point 
I haven't. No, I'm still thinking about it. Um, yeah. I probably will at some point, um, but I haven't as yet. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big one that one, isn't it? I'm just working out when the right time is. Yeah, I think um, in the next few years, I'll definitely um, do something about it. But I just haven't up to this point as yet. And when you look back on your journey now, is there anything that you wish you'd done differently? Yes, I wish I'd frozen eggs or embryos earlier. Um, Yeah, I'd certainly wish that I had started my journey earlier. Um, Only reason being is that, you know, I had such low um, success with eggs and embryos at the beginning. I wish I had frozen them a long, long time ago Um, because, yeah, not having that number, like you hear of people getting them and they've got 15 eggs or something like that. I, I realised that, um, you know, the probability of how many you would get that are viable out of that. But I, I went in thinking I would get five or six and I came out with three, the three eggs at the first go and only one surviving, mm. which is pretty good odds when you think about it. But um, I just wish that I'd had more opportunities because um, who's to say that that first embryo would have stuck at any other point? I just, yeah, just the odds are just amazing that my first embryo was the winner. It was just, yeah, it was really, really special. So obviously starting earlier is one piece of advice. Is there any other advice you'd give anyone who's considering this journey or kind of on the fence about whether to do it? No, just do it. Just, just do it. <laughs> you won't regret it. You really won't regret it, especially if you're the lucky person and you're, you're super lucky and, and you get that one that sticks. It's, it's just something special. And how's life just the two of you now? Yeah, really good. Yeah, we love it. Um, we love getting away. We love getting away with all our single mother groups. Um, so we've got a little caravan, so we love getting away with everyone and um, making those friendships. And how did you go about that? Was it just through a Facebook group or Instagram or...? So I was um, added by a lady I knew who had gone through the journey, but she wasn't successful. Um, And then I just met people on chats and um, on a couple of trips through Mm -hmm. Facebook. Um, And then I went to a couple and they were great. And then I've made some really great friendships out of it as well. It's nice for Violet that she's growing up with other kids her age in the same yeah, family. Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot around her age, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fantastic. So you've been on quite the journey, very quick decision, and then it's all turned out for the best. Um, yeah, yeah. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Is there anything else you want to say to anyone before we end? No, no, just just give it a go. It's um, certainly worth it perfect ending thank you georgia no worries thank you
I'm Alicia, and this is the No Need for Prince Charming podcast, bringing you stories of Australian solo mums who created their own happy ending. If you like what you heard, please follow or subscribe to make sure you don't miss out on future episodes, and leave a like, a review, or share with your friends to help others find it easier. Bye for now.